you can, uh, if you're in the room, you can find your way back to your seat this morning. Uh, if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Tyson. I'm one of the pastors here on the team at Callwood Church, and uh, we're glad to see you here this morning. Um, a couple of weeks ago, it was my wife Lindsay's birthday, and as a part of her birthday, one of the things that we did was we went and walked around Buchar Gardens. Do we have any Gardens fans in the house this morning? You guys, are, you guys are a muted crowd. Come on. It's like, it's like you just came from the high tea or something like that. The garden people are not really a rowdy kind of type. But Buchar Gardens, if you haven't been to it before, is uh, this beautiful, world-renowned gardens right at home in Victoria here where people from all across the world come and check it out. And I highly recommend, if you haven't been there before, to go check it out. Uh, but this time of year is an interesting time to walk around Buchar because most of the stuff is not in bloom. And so we were walking around the gardens, and it was pretty kind of calm, quiet. There wasn't that many tourists. There wasn't that many people around. Uh, but Bo got, our son, who's one year old, got to ride on his first merry-go-round ride, which was awesome for about half of it. <laughs> and uh, we, we, we were going on the merry-go-round ride, and he's like, I'm done. That's enough. And it's like, we're going too fast for that option, so we'll sit down on the row of seats here behind us. We made it through. It was good. But as we were walking through the gardens, it was, uh, it was one of the things that was really helpful was seeing the, the perspective uh, that I have as someone who used to do landscaping. And so I used to work in the summers while I was studying to be a pastor to be a land, uh, to, uh, in a, at a senior's home as a landscaper. And so I appreciate the perfectly trimmed grass. I appreciate the, the hedges that are squared nice and neatly. I was walking through and looking at how they had planted all the different flowers that were going to bloom coming up really quickly. And as we got to this part, there's this one part of the gardens where it's like this sunken garden and you walk down the steps and normally in the summer it's this beautiful experience with flowers everywhere and all this stuff. And I walk down these steps with Lindsay and our son Bo and I, and I look over at Lindsay and I got like super nerdy and super pastry and I was just like, you know, this is like what I imagined the Garden of Eden was like. And she's just like, okay. <laughs> Sorry, it was a really, really nerdy moment. I wish I wouldn't have said it, but I did. Um, it was great. But as we were walking through the, the gardens, the, this beauty that's, that goes through the gardens is, is world-renowned. But one of the things that I noticed, having the, the perspective of someone who's done this in the past, it's not something that happens by accident. There's 55 acres of gardens that are, that are are, are part of Bouchard Gardens. And at, 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 the, at the Bouchard Gardens, it takes 50 plus gardeners on staff to make the gardens look as beautiful as they do. In the mornings at 5.45, the, the shift supervisors start and they walk around their area that they oversee and they look to see what needs to be done, what needs to be pruned, what needs to be clipped, what flowers need deadheading. And then they give the assignments to their teams to go out and prune plants and trees and hedges and put flowers in for future seasons. It takes planning, intention, and care for the gardens to be thriving and beautiful. And today I want to contend that our lives are similar. For our lives to thrive and to grow and to be all that God has created and intended for us to be, it will take intention, planning, and care. And this brings us to the final topic for our series on emotionally healthy spirituality. If you haven't been with us or if this is your first Sunday with us, thanks for being here. We've been going through a series uh, called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, which is talking about how can we grow to allow God to have access to all of our lives. And so that's why you'll see this picture of an iceberg. It's, it's how do we actually be people who are transformed uh, to be people who look more like Jesus and give him access to all that's below uh, the surface of our lives. 
And today we are getting to the final topic in this conversation, and it's called develop a rule of life. Now, when you hear the phrase rule, some of you might already initially bump up against that and have some angst and go, you know what, I'm not, I haven't been in church for a long time, but I knew it. These Christians are all about rules. Some of you might be like, hey, I grew up in a really legalistic, strict background, and all I heard was rules. We don't play cards. We don't hold hands because the holding hands leads to dancing, and we all know what dancing leads to. <laughs> Going to the movies. When I say the word rule of life today, please hear me. What I am not saying is that I'm going to give you a list of things that you cannot do. So everyone, take a deep breath out. The word rule that we're talking about, while it might sound restricting and binding, actually comes from a Latin word that was translated as a trellis in a vineyard or for plants. If you're not sure of what a trellis is, we have a picture over here. A trellis is a tool that helps the plant to grow and thrive and be healthy. It helps the plant become more fruitful, to keep it, give it more sunlight and to free, predators, free it from predators and diseases that might infest it while it was laying on the ground. And in the same way, a rule of life is a trellis that helps us to grow in Christ, to be more fruitful spiritually. A rule of life is how we can intentionally develop a set of rhythms and habits in our day and in our week so that we can be with Jesus, so we might become more like him and then go and do what Jesus did in this world by sharing his life and his love with others. The focus on rule of life is about staying connected to God. In scripture, Jesus actually makes this point clearly when he compares our lives to a grapevine in John chapter 15. In John chapter 15, verses one to five, he says this, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, or some of your translations might say, abide in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, if you're in the room today and you're, you're someone who would say, I'm a follower of Jesus, our goal is to be a people who can abide in Jesus so that we would bear much fruit. This is so important and central to our faith because I believe that all of us who are seeking to follow Jesus with our lives have good intentions of being people who bear fruit. If I was to sit down one-on-one -on -one with each one in the room today and ask you, hey, do you want to live a life of purpose? Do you want to live a life that has meaning? Do you want to live a life that counts, that adds something of value to this world? I think the vast majority of us would say, yes, I want to live a life that's fruitful. I know that you want to make your life count. And while everyone has that desire or that intention internally, Here's the question that I would follow up by asking, what is your plan for abiding in Jesus? Because Jesus made it really clear, I would say painfully clear, apart from him, you can do nothing. Apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. Do you actually believe that? Apart from whom we can do nothing, and yet so how often do I miss this? How often do I try and do things in my own strength, not staying connected to the vine, trying to bear fruit on my own? 
And this is where developing a rule of life is so helpful. And if you're still struggling with the word rule, uh, put in place rhythms or habits that are in your schedule, if that's more helpful for you. A rule of life is adding a structure or a plan to your life for abiding, like that trellis gives structure and plan for the, root, for the plants to grow and be healthy. This isn't actually a new idea either. This is steeped in church history and in tradition. Uh, a rule of life kind of started in the 300s AD, where Christianity was actually a persecuted minority religion for the first 300 years of its existence. And then quickly, in, uh, the Emperor Constantine one day says, I've converted to Christianity. It's no longer illegal to be a Christian. And in fact, Christianity is now going to be the state religion of all of Rome. Talk about a turn. And what happens with that when you read history is some historians would look at Constantine and go, I'm not sure he was actually a Christian. Might have just been something that kind of happened in a moment because some of the things that he did are a little bit questionable. We're not going to get into that side of things. But one of the things that it did when the emperor claimed to be a Christian and made it the state religion is that people from everywhere flocked to Christianity because it was an in vogue thing to do. And what it actually meant to be a Christian became watered down so that everyone pretty much claimed to be a Christian. And so there was no differentiating between someone who was acting lovingly and justly and someone who was acting in unjust ways and harshly to other people because they both claimed to be Christians. And so these people in that time period flocked to the desert. Men and women flocked to the desert where they could get away from the pole and the current of the city and they could spend some time. And these are historically known as the desert fathers and mothers. And what they did is they ordered their lives around rhythms and habits so that they could stay connected and they could abide in Jesus because everything around them was pulling them away from Jesus. And their way of life became so um, attractive that thousands of people flocked to them to be a part of these communities because they saw that there was something different. They saw that they were being formed and began to look more like Jesus and love others well. St. Augustine's rule began with this sentence. Before all things, most dear brothers, we must love God and after him our neighbor. For these are the principal commands which have been given on us. He goes on to say that the rule is meant to establish nothing harsh, nothing burdensome, but goes on to describe walking in God's commandments as being in the ineffable sweetness of love. To kind of distill that down, he's saying, when you think about a rule of life, it's not about just creating a rigid structure for your life. It's about creating rhythms and habits for your days and your weeks and your years that aren't burdensome, but they actually give you life. And the focus of what the rule of life is all about is giving that structure so that we can be people who love God and love others, bearing much fruit. So that's the idea but let's get practical. We've talked a little bit about a rule of life, but what does this actually look like lived out? I love the way that the practicing, the way uh, puts it at the start of their rule of life workbook, which will be actually available on our website. If this morning you want to dive deeper into this idea, it's just on our callwithchurch.com website. They say this at the start of their workbook to creating a rule of life. They say, it's been said that we achieve inner peace when our schedule is aligned with our values. A rule of life is simply a tool to that end. Rather than a rigid, legalistic to-do list, it's life-giving structure for freedom, growth, and joy. When our schedule is aligned with our desires, like we talked about earlier, I believe we desire to be people 
who are fruitful, people who love well, but is our schedule actually aligned with making sure that that is a part of our rhythms? Practically, this is about organizing our schedule and our lives with habits and rhythms that are aligned with our values. And so a helpful framework is starting with maybe a piece of paper or starting with a, a note in your phone and opening it up and dividing life into a few categories. Uh, these categories are ones that I borrowed from emotionally healthy spirituality, but if you start with categories across your life, it'll give you a broader definition of what being a successful person or bearing fruit looks like. It's not just about your job or school or whatever career you're pursuing. You are a holistic human being with many parts, and so dividing your life across categories is helpful. Here's the four categories that uh, EHS gives to us. Prayer. And, and along with that, there's some other ideas that you could fit under that. Scripture, silence and solitude, daily office, which is about ordering your day so that you are aware of God, study of Scripture. The next category is rest, Sabbath, having time to rest and recharge and connect with God and delight in Him, simplicity, play and recreation. It's not just about doing things that we know we ought to do. It's about doing things that also refill and refuel us and give us rest. Work and activity. This is about your job or your school or whatever takes up the vast majority of your week. And it's also about caring for the physical bodies that God gave to us. And there's relationships. which is about your own emotional health, about your relationships with family and friends, and about relationships in community together. So as you divide your life into these categories, it's understanding what, what would it look like for me to be the person that God is calling me to be, and what are some habits and rhythms in these categories that can be helpful. The next step is to clarify your vision. After you've divided life into some categories, it's actually saying, okay, God, what does it look like for me to be a man or woman, a boy or girl, who's healthy and thriving and connected to you in these areas? How can you order these areas in a way that keep you connected to the vine? For prayer, you might write down that you want to start your day with a few minutes of prayer every day. Or you want to read the Bible before you jump onto your smartphone for the day. For your physical body or work, you might say, I want to leave work on time every day this week instead of an hour later than I say I'm going to. It might be that you want to exercise three times this week. Whatever you feel like God might be inviting you into, pay attention to that desire. It's not just about habit formation, which is great and awesome. It's also about allowing God to direct us into specific habits and rhythms. I love the way that Pastor Ken Shigematsu puts it out of Vancouver. He goes, this is about looking for a spirit-inspired rhythm instead of just a self-generated routine. It's about asking God to speak into this and give us a vision and an understanding of who he's calling us to be. The next step is to prune. One of the challenging realities that we face as we seek to implement a rule of life is that we can't do everything as well as we hope to. Does anyone feel that ever? You have a desire to be super healthy and to be a great parent and to crush it at your job, and it feels like sometimes these things are all at odds. Whatever you might fill in the blanks with, you have all these desires and aspirations of who you hope to be. And while it's important to have a grand vision of who we want to be and the life that we want to lead, we need to recognize that some of these things need to lovingly be pruned if we are to reach who we believe God has called us to be. Going back to Bouchard Gardens from the beginning, they don't plant every single kind of flower in every flower bed. 
They have a plan. They recognize not only how much room they have, but also what season it is. And just like that, you are in a season of life too. And a few weeks ago in our EHS series, we talked about embracing your limits. You can't do everything in this season. There are only 24 hours in a day. And this is where planning and intention comes in. Maybe you only have small windows of time because you're in school and you're working a job. Or maybe you're working two jobs to make ends meet. Or maybe you're a parent to young kids or whatever it might be that's taking up all your time and you only have small windows of time. Don't try and craft a rule of life that doesn't actually fit the season of life that you are in. You are in a season. So what works for you in this season? Not, work, not what works for the person sitting next to you. Not what worked for you in previous seasons of your life, but what works for you right now in this season that you are in. And how can you prune your vision down to thriving in this season? The last step I want to encourage you with is grab your calendar and look at your day, your week, and your month. If you have these desires and these visions to be this type of person that you've pruned down to, it's important for us to take that intention and actually put it onto our calendars. How do we fit these things into our schedule so they're not just a good intention? And what I love about crafting a rule of life as I've sat down and done it myself, as I've talked to other people through this in the past too, is that no two rules of life will look exactly the same. You're in a different season than I am. You're probably in a different season than some of the other people in this room today, and they're going to look different. I love how Pastor Pete Scazzaro puts it in Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. God has made each of us unique and different. Our goal is the same. Union with God in Christ, transformation into his image, and the freeing of our hearts from anything that stands in the way of Christ living in and through us. But how we will get there will vary depending on our personality, our gift mix, our temperament, our geographic location, and particular calling from God. In addition, God will have different practices and emphasis at different seasons and phases of our lives. Our goals are the same. Our goals are to stay connected with God, to grow, to look more like him, to be people who love God and love others well. But how we are going to move towards that is going to look different. Just this week, I was talking with um, Lindsay one night before I was heading to sleep. And I was sharing with her how I was frustrated that some of my habits and my rhythms that I had in the past aren't actually working in this season of life. The habits that I had before we added Bo to our family don't work in this season of life the way that they used to. And, I, and as I was reflecting on this the next day, I was laughing because it was like God was saying, hey Tyson, you know that thing that you're going to teach on on Sunday? Practice that in your own life. And, and I came across this quote this week as I was studying, and it was so helpful to me. It said, a good rule can set us free to be our true and best selves. It is a working document, a kind of spiritual budget, not carved in stone, but subject to regular review and revision. It should support us, but never constrict us. And I had to come to this realization that those past habits, they were awesome, and they sustained me in the previous season of life, but this new season... I do not have the same amount of time. It's a different season of life because I have a new life to care for as a part of our household. And so the amount of time that I have in my week is different than it used to be that has white space attached to it. 
And so sometimes we can compare our lives to past seasons and go, I wish that I was still in that season, but we lovingly are missing what God is inviting us to right here and right now. We can be so frustrated that we're not living where we used to be or where we hope to be that we miss the invitation right here, right now in the present. And so when you're crafting a rule of life, let me encourage you, it is not about crafting a rule of life for your idealized self. It's not about crafting a rule of life for where you feel like you ought to be. It's about realizing where you are right here, right now, and starting where you're at. Now, this week, as I, as I was reflecting on my own rule of life and kind of my own rhythms and, and calendar, I felt like God was challenging me and encouraging me to grow in discipline and in self-control, and specifically when it came to my health and uh, physical body. Now, this might be that I just got back from Portland where we watched March Madness and I ate fried chicken on average once a day, at least. But I got home and I felt like God was just like challenging me. I had exercise and, and playing on sports teams in the past as a part of my rhythm and a part of my week. But as the gym shut down this last season, I didn't end up going back to it after. And I felt like God was just challenging me being like, hey, you got to work on your discipline and your self-control in this area. You can't eat fried chicken every single day or donuts or cake or ice cream. I like food. I'm sorry. Um, and I felt like God was challenging me and encouraging me, start small. Start where you're at. If it means hopping on the exercise bike before you go to bed for 10 minutes, that's 10 minutes more than you did before. And I felt like God was challenging me to involve intermittent fasting in my schedule. So I'm trying to make sure that I'm more mindful of what I'm eating and more disciplined with what I'm putting in my body to a degree. I'm still going to eat ice cream. I'm sorry. As long as it's within a certain hour. So, okay. Now, sharing this might not seem like a super spiritual thing to you. You might go, okay, Tyson, you want to exercise and eat more. Eat healthy, not eat more. <laughs> Freudian slip there. Okay because I do want to eat more right now. Okay. But that's kind of the point. It's not about just the super spiritual things. What we put into our rules of life is not just great things like reading our Bibles and praying. Although, let me encourage you, those are two great things to start with. But it's also about what do you feel like God is putting his finger on in this season so that you can stay connected to him and love other people and God better. Maybe it's not going directly onto your phone when you wake up in the morning for an hour. Maybe it's being more mindful of the amount of media and news that you're consuming. Let me encourage you today, if you are so anxious and worried and concerned about what's going on in the world today, which we are called to be informed, but if you are nervous and anxious and it's the only thing that you can think about, look at how many hours of news and media you're consuming is that making you a more peaceful person? Is that making you someone who is praying more or is it making you someone who is anxious and nervous about everything? It might be spending more intentional time with a friend or with a spouse or a loved one. Maybe you could put that into your weekly and monthly rhythm. It might be about being more intentional with the amount of Netflix that you are watching, which during COVID, I'm guessing none of you watched that much Netflix, did you? Okay, nervous laughter on that one. 
big or small, we can include different habits from across our lives and across those categories that we talked about in how we organize our lives so that we can be more aware of and stay more connected with God so that we can bear much fruit. Now, I know this is a lot to unpack in about a half an hour on a Sunday morning. And so this is where it's important to have some guides who've gone on the journey before us. People who have done this and have been teaching this for years. And so this is kind of some of the best practices and insights that I've borrowed from a whole bunch of people who are smarter than me on developing a rule of life. Here's a few of the encouragements that they say. Start small. It can be easy when you hear uh, a teaching on or developing a rule of life to look at it and go, here's all the things that I want to do. I want to be reading my Bible for an hour a day. I want to be giving to the poor and be connected to the vulnerable in my community. And you can go down the list and have all the things that you want to do. But let me encourage you, if you want to read your Bible for an hour a day and you're currently at zero minutes a day, that's like trying to go from sitting on the couch to running a marathon. That's difficult to do, so start small. Small does not mean insignificant. If you are have a goal to pray more, if you go from zero to two minutes, you are crushing it. It is not insignificant. It is not small. It is not nothing. Start where you are, not just about where you feel like you ought to be, and make steps towards Jesus there, even if they are small steps. A second encouragement that they give is give yourself grace. Again, when you're trying to implement habits into your schedule, when you're trying to develop a rule of life, it can be easy to beat yourself up when you fail and when you drop the ball. Did you know that the number one day when people give up on a habit is the first day after they missed it? So if you want to build a new habit the first day after you miss, go, that's okay. I still did it six days in a row before that. Instead of focusing on the one day that you missed, focus on the six days that you did in a row before that or whatever it might be. Give yourself grace. Don't beat yourself up about where you are not. Recognize where you are and develop a rule of life for there. Third encouragement is be specific. It's not just about saying, I want to be a more relaxed and peaceful person. It's about actually putting an action step towards that. Instead of, I want to be more relaxed, say, I will keep Sabbath on Sundays. Instead of, I want to read my Bible more, it's, I want to read my Bible at this time every day or I wanna exercise on these days in my week. Be specific because you're much more likely to, to hit these goals and these rules of life if you're specific instead of vague. Attach a practice to something that you do routinely is another encouragement. If you want to memorize scripture, put a sticky note on your mirror in your bathroom where you hopefully brush your teeth two times a day. I say hopefully because I don't know your dental habits you'll see that as you're brushing your teeth, it's something that you're already doing and you can memorize that scripture while you're brushing your teeth. You don't have to start from scratch. You can attach a habit to something that you already do. Let me encourage you as well to work with your personality, not against it. If you are an introvert, schedule time into your calendar and into your life to spend alone. Schedule some time for silence and time in solitude. If you're an extrovert, schedule some time into your rule of life where you can be with other people, like a meal with friends every week or a phone call with someone who's a good friend but doesn't live in the same city as you. Whatever that might be, work with your personality, not against it. The next encouragement is balance, structure, and spontaneity. Do we have any people who love rules in the room today? Any type A organized people in the room today? 
and they're sheepishly putting up their hands because they feel like they're going to get scolded, but that's not the point. My wife is a rule follower. She loves a rule. She says, I have never, (laughs) her words are, I've never found a rule I didn't want to love and marry. (laughs) I am much more spontaneous. I don't really, I'm not really great with structure and planning and organization. But the challenge for both of us is recognizing where we are. For her, her temptation might be to be too rigid with a rule of life. And when she messes up or makes mistakes, she beats herself up with it. For me, I might be like, oh, I just want to go with the flow and see what I feel like doing. Well, the problem is I might not feel like doing the things that I know I actually need to do. On that continuum of structure and spontaneity, find where you are and recognize that it might challenge you based on where you are within that. Start small, though, and recognize where you are with it. And the last encouragement from people who've taught about this is remember that change is inevitable. Has COVID taught us that change is inevitable? People are still tired of COVID. Okay, it's good. As I shared earlier, one of the things that God's been teaching me afresh in this season is that my past patterns and past habits don't work the same way and weren't giving me life. So instead of being bitter and angry and frustrated and hanging on to those patterns, I feel like God is inviting me to lovingly let some of those things go and create new ones. Remember that we can be so fixated on hanging on to patterns and hanging on to habits and we can miss the point. The point is staying connected to God. The point is growing and connecting with him and becoming people who love others and love him more. Your habit, if it's not aiding you and moving you towards that, your rule of life, if it's not helping you with that, you can let it go because remember that seasons change and what served you well once before might not be the thing that serves you in this season. As we come to a close this morning, I want to give a few minutes of space just to pause, to pray. I want to invite you to ask God, what is one area of my life that you want me to be more intentional with in this season ahead? Because as Bouchard Gardens reminds us, and as Jesus reminds us in John 15, bearing fruit and growing healthy takes intention. Planning and partnering with the work of the Holy Spirit, staying connected and having a plan for abiding. To bear fruit, we need a plan for how we're gonna stay connected to the vine. And that's where a rule of life takes our good intentions and puts them into our rhythms and our habits. So I invite you to just close your eyes in the room this morning and online if you're watching. I invite you to take a deep breath in and breathe out. And ask God, what is something that you are inviting me into in my day, in my week, or in my month for this season ahead so that I can abide in you?
God, thank you that you are still a God who speaks today. That you are a God who loves us and desires that we may step into life and life abundantly, as you say in John 10. And so God, help us this week. As we have good desires in our hearts, help us to have a schedule, a rule of life, rhythms and habits in our day and in our week that actually help us to put those things to practice, to live those things out and to live a life abiding in you so that we can bear much fruit. Lord, for the people who are listening to this today, if there's anyone who's just feeling guilt and shame that they're not doing enough, I just pray that you would give them grace in their hearts right now they would understand that you love them, that this is not about laying a burden on them of what they're not doing, that this is all about staying connected to you so that they can experience the life that you've created them to be. And that condemnation and shame is not your voice speaking to them today. For God, God, for all of us, help us to see the things that you want us to lovingly prune in our lives, the things that you want and are inviting us to give to you so that we may pursue the best things. God, help us to have habits and rhythms in our lives that keep us connected to you so that we might, may bear much fruit. That is your desire for us and that is our hope as well as a church community, that we would be people who love you and love others well. So God, as we draw to a close of this Emotionally Healthy Spirituality series, I pray that these would be things that we don't just talk about for a few weeks, but that these are things that would sink deeply into our hearts and into our lives so that we would be transformed to love others more like you, Lord, to love people that we're different from, to love people that are difficult, to be people who look and reflect you to this world, Jesus. That's our hope and our prayer for this series. In your name we pray all these things. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks so much for being with us today, church. Uh, as I said earlier in the message, if you want to dive deeper into this, we have a workbook on our website. It's at the top of our website right now that you can, you can dig into. Um, I want to say as well, thanks if you're new for being with us today. Uh, if you're new to faith or you have questions about God or Jesus or any of these things, we want to invite you to text the word LIFE to 250-478-7113. And if, if you don't know, that's just our church phone number. And one of our pastors would love to, to walk with you, to meet with you, get a little bit of your story as well. I also want to invite you to continue the conversation on Tuesday and Wednesday night at 7. It's in, just, if you want to continue this conversation from Sunday, you can do that online on Zoom. And, and so that's kind of all we got for you today, church. Have an amazing week ahead. We love you and we're grateful for you being with us today. Have a great week.